the pastor and the witch podcast this is episode 19 recorded in lovely muncie indiana joined by my smoking hot punk ass wife jordan (laughs) 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 and i'm here with my hubster no i'll never say that word again (laughs) hubby husband love my life soulmate twin flame still we're you have taco neck right now Taco neck. Taco neck. Yeah. What is that? Like this, the way your head is angled. Oh. We're still setting up the studio slash office in here because I just got a new production desk like what, <gasps> a month ago. Yeah. And now it's just both desks are just covered with books and notebooks and pens and cords and. Yeah, it's been what? More books. Two weeks. <laughs> Yeah. Two weeks since we released an episode. Because I know, it's been hectic. And we've, we've missed recording. Yeah. But we had to... I was fucking sick last week, too. Yeah. That sucks. And you got your, you got the test. You got your brain tickled. Man, I oh wish yeah. I could have recorded that. That sucks. I'd rather go to the proctologist. Well... Really? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd rather have the COVID test again than go to a proctologist. But it sucked. Well, at least they didn't do both nostrils. Yeah, that's true. I think that, you know, it was was good that I didn't have COVID. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I missed recording, babe. Me too. I thought you, I thought you were saying it wasn't recording at first. But no, I have to, I've... We felt bad, but we had to do what was necessary. Yeah, I was getting some texts. You guys quit doing the podcast? And I was like, nah, dude. I just, (laughs) there's not enough hours in the day. There's really not. Yeah, you don't realize all the work that goes into it. And we still don't know shit. (laughs) Yeah, like, can you imagine, like. Like, if it was a legit podcast, like, that was our full-time job. Yeah, I mean, like. There's so much that we don't do. I mean, we don't really, like, push it, you know? Which I kind of like that, though, because it is a bit more, like, grassroots. Yeah, it's, like, real. Well, not that other podcasts. I don't know. It just, it works for us, the way that we're doing it. Yeah. And it's nice that a lot of people actually listen. People reaching out and noticing that we haven't recorded. Yes, and there's mm. one thing I do. I want to plug another podcast by our very, very good friend. I haven't listened to the new, the first episode is out, um, but it's a podcast by Austin Glidden. It's a good mm-hmm. friend of ours, and uh, it's called Medium Cool, but it's a, it's a movie podcast, and the first episode is about a hardcore band called Bane. You ever heard Bane, babe? No. Bane's fucking good. They've been around for fucking years. They're fucking good. Um, And he interviews, I don't know if he interviews the lead singer 
or a couple members, but they just released a documentary, Bane did, and it's kind of about their career, and they're getting ready to, to end it. But I think, I can't remember, 21 years they've been a band, um, toured the world. <coughs> I mean, they, they're very, in the underground, they're very a very highly respected band, just because they're so DIY, and they really kind of did it their own way. Um, but Austin is a, is a very um, interesting guy, a very smart, intelligent guy. He lives in Lafayette now. And, uh, you will never, ever be bored in a conversation <laughs> with Austin, ever. Yeah. I, I always tell this story, but I'm going to have to tell it again the first time I met Austin. Austin is um, Austin has a bachelor's and two master's degrees because one master's degree wasn't enough. But he studied film. He is a uh, communications major. his shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I told him that uh, Blu-rays suck. The first time I met him, and I saw like light leave his eyes. This was like years ago, right? And I, I'd never met him. He came over. He used to live like like five houses down from me, and uh, he came over. And he played in a bunch of bands. And uh, yeah, we had a, a discussion about that. I think he's still upset about that discussion. <laughs> well, I remember um, that was like the first show. You took me to oh, yeah. was his show. It was a lot of fun. And that was the first time I ever saw someone. I think I've talked about this. Um, what the hell is that called? Well, they were. Shadow boxing. Sh- uh, yeah, shadow boxing. Yeah. Shadow boxing is interesting because Austin played a hardcore. So when I say hardcore, um, Austin would define hardcore differently. Like when I say hardcore, I'm talking about like. No Means No, Bad Brains, Cro-Mags, Murphy's Law, Jerry's Kids, like, fucking, like, Joey Shithead, like, all those, like, first wave hardcore. So it came out of, um, basically a continuation of punk, but it had, it was a lot more aggressive, um, spawned, like, power violence, some of those genres, but really, I mean, it, it was, a. It's a great form of music, but it wasn't around for a super long time. But Austin like listens to a hardcore that is different than than my hardcore. So I know some of his bands. Um, I would say like a hardcore band that he loves is like Comeback Kid, um, obviously Bane. There's other ones I can't even remember. It's not. It's not my. It's a different time period, you know. But it's more. I'm going to say this and I will disagree, but there is an influence of metalcore in it. A lot of breakdowns. And my original hardcore had breakdowns, but his hardcore was mainly consisted of breakdowns. So, <laughs> and, you know, it was down tuned. There's like 808 drops in it and shit like that. Um, and it's cool for, for that kind of music, you know, but um, I would say like a newer band that has like, and they're not even a newer band, they've been around for years as well, but like a band called Converge. Um, I would consider them a punk band, um, but they also have extreme metal elements to them and hardcore as well. Uh, like Jacob Bannon is a lead singer, but their guitar player owns God City Studios. Uh, he recorded the High on Fire album that won a Grammy Award, uh, Kurt Ballou, and he owns God City Instruments. But uh, 
it's funny. I I will just put an invite out there. Like Austin, you should come and do the podcast with us sometime. You can fucking nerd out with us. <laughs> oh man, I can see us getting in some deep conversations too. Yeah, um, about <laughs> the church and religion oh, yeah. and beliefs and different perspectives for sure. Yeah, Austin grew up uh, in the church. His grandpa is is the pastor of Full Gospel Temple here in Muncie, and uh, Austin is is a lot like me and theologically speaking, but uh, definitely a lot more intelligent, though. Kind of going back to his podcast being movie-themed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when I was working at Great Clips, I had this client. I can't remember her name. I'm terrible with names, but I'm really good with faces. But I cut, I cut her hair a few times, and the first time I cut her hair, we started talking about movies. And she's a little bit older than me, but she was like, just thought it was super cool. I can't remember exactly what our conversation was, but like we were into a lot of the same kind of movies. So that kind of became our thing. Well, the last time I cut her hair, it was right before COVID, and she came in and she made a list just for me. She goes, I knew I was coming to get my hair cut, so I made this list and I'm going to quiz you because you seem to know so much about movies. And I'm like, oh fuck. I might seem like I know. Well, I really feel like I don't really know a lot about movies, but I actually surprised myself because I got all the movies right. But she was like, she she uh, gave me 10 hints to 10 different movies. And I think I did get them right, but Edward Scissorhands was one of them, The Dark Crystal, Wizard of Oz. Um, oh, man, I think Salem's Lot was one of them. Yeah. Um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape was one of them. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember, like, the specific hint she gave me, but I was, like, really surprised because I actually got them all right. So I'm proud of myself. But <laughs> when I think about going up against Austin, I know I don't know shit. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> I won't know anything. Like, I don't even know. Like, there's really so many movies that I have never seen. Well, if, if we, like, relayed, like, music to movies... I would be like the listener of like Garth Brooks and Taylor <laughs> Swift's and like Lady Gaga. Hey, I like Lady Gaga. And and Austin though, he would be like, he would know like underground black metal and like second and third generation, you know, grind. Like where it lets me know like my movie tastes are really really corporate. Like I I don't even know like underground movies per se, you know. But Austin could tell you like underground movies from Austria or Australia or Japan and like get fucking geeked on it. Oh man. Yeah. So let me let me say this though real quick. So his podcast is uh called Medium Cool and it is available on pretty much all the platforms you could think of, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And um since this is horror film month they're going to do uh, obviously horror movies and uh, he's going to reveal number 11 through 15 from their top 15 favorite horror films so check it out Austin is just a good guy he's Austin Glidden it's uh, G-L-I-D-D-E-N is how you spell his last name he's on on, uh, Instagram and Facebook he's a white dude with a beard so (laughs) But yeah, I you know I would I would love to have Austin on. That would be awesome. Yeah, I remember his bachelor party. 
<laughs> I went up there, and he's a huge like into D and D, and I'm not. <laughs> so I remember, and he has a really good setup. He's got some really good like axes and shit. And uh, I went up there and I sat on a futon and I played his. He just bought a Telecaster from. I think he bought it from Indie String Theory, and I uh, I played his Telecaster for like eight hours straight while they played D and D. Oh man! I just fucking played his Tele. It was awesome. Didn't you guys like order pizza and then didn't even eat it? Yeah, they ordered pizza and they were so involved in like D and D. It was like two hours after we got the pizza until we ate, and <laughs> then they kept playing. I mean, it was like, and then you know. Because well, he lives in Lafayette, woke up in the morning and then drove back here, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good. I mean, it was is so funny. Thrasher was there. Ryan was there. I don't remember. Graham was there from the United States of Indiana. You know, so it was really interesting. But oh, good. No, I was just gonna say I've never played that. No, they get into it because Austin, he was like. I don't know what they call it, like the curator or the narrator or some shit. But he would, I mean, he's a movie guy, so he's very theatrical. And he would, you know, like. Was he like in theater um, as a kid? Probably. I could see him being in theater yeah, and being like, really good at it. I remember they opened up for, was it Norma Jean? When we went and saw him? I think so. They opened I up for Norma hell, Jean? I don't know. I think Norma Jean. I'm I'm probably pissing him off. One of those bands. <laughs> I mean, they're a good band. It just wasn't my time period, you know. So he's a bit younger than I am. Not much, but I think he's like, he's closer. He's like 34 or something. And he was like raised in the church, where like, you know, I wasn't raised. I mean, I was kind of raised in the church, but like, you know, the first CD my mom ever bought me was Slayer's "South to Heaven," and so like I didn't listen to any because like in the 2000s there was like a huge wave of christian hardcore and um and some of them were really good like impending doom was a great band um and as i lay dying before some of the shit happened with that band you know they were a christian band i don't know if they were a christian band but they were all christians as i lay dying the original name of the band was as i lay dying for jesus you know it's like a reference to martyrdom but I i don't think any of those dudes i don't know I mean, you know, the lead singer went to prison for a while, and they're back now, but... Oh, is he the one that, like, tried to have his wife murdered? Yeah. Man. Here's a hint. (laughs) If you can... If you're a common guy, and you can hire a hitman, he's not a hitman. Okay? Let's just say that. But anyways, uh, you know, like, it it makes me want to talk about the church, like... Because I, I can speak some for Austin because I'm so close with Austin. And, you know, I remember so many nights sitting with Austin, chain-smoking cigarettes, and just talking about, like, the bullshit of the church and his perspective on it. And uh, it, it's really interesting, you know. And although this isn't a political podcast, I, I do feel like I can talk about Mike Pence because – you know, I don't have issues with people being conservative. You know, I can call out some conservative friends that are amazing people. Jesse Studebaker, Drew Clevenger. They're naturally conservative, that, and that's okay. But they're not assholes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, 
You, they're, they're, those are the friends that you can disagree, but yeah. not like... We can disagree and still love each other. Yeah. But also, they uh, there's a big difference from somebody that says, you know, hey, I'm a Republican, or I have more conservative values, um, and then somebody that says, you know, like, they're trying to implement law and policy through the lens of their interpretation of Christianity. That's a dangerous thing, in my opinion, and I don't understand it. I never have. I always thought it was bullshit. You know, being in the church, you would run across people that would, they would be like, we have to do this because, like, God loves America. And they, like, would blend, like, patriotism with this Christian nationalism. And, I mean, you could put any religion in that Jewish nationalism, Hindu, Muslim, whatever, and it's all bad. I don't care. Like, it's all, there's never been, in my opinion, in history proves me right on this there's never been a government in existence today or before that has been governed by the authority of any religion that has ended well for its people mm-hmm. it's always turned into basically an iron fist you know and that includes like people that are like you know there is no religion and like the state is we're atheists like russia or something like that where where you just don't let people be who they are, you know, and whatever that may be. That's my biggest issue with the church, though, because it's turned into this, like, idol worship of Trump as this uh, savior, even though, you know, like, he's he's not. And, and I'm not going to talk about Donald Trump. I, I more talk about Trump is Trump. He is who he is. But I'm more talking about Pence, where you have this guy who is basically the biggest vocal um, mouthpiece for Christianity and I think it's fucking bullshit you know I, I just don't I don't see where the ends match up I agree I don't know like I don't I don't pay attention and I don't want to talk about politics I really don't but I don't read as much as you do or someone who I can't really say that I am educated well enough in politics to really like talk about it regularly but I just watch and what I see and what I hear I don't it doesn't make sense to me either like all the hate and just I don't care what people say racism is still a huge issue and it's among a lot of different ethnicities and Mm -hmm. cultures and you know it it's uh, yeah the world is just a mess and it's I, I have heard people pray in churches before no joke i'm not making this up pray in churches this is during uh george w bush during his uh presidency and when we first went into iraq and they would pray and thank the lord that our soldiers are over there spreading the gospel hmm. and i and i'm like my first reaction is like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, like, this is crazy. Like, you're, imagine like, let's say if the tables were reversed and like we weren't this world power and we were a smaller country like Iraq and we were Muslim or we were Christian and these Muslim, like this Muslim country came in by force with automatic, automatic weapons, grenade launchers, jets, tanks, 
you know, all that shit. And then, like, we're opposed to what? Like, believe what they believe, you know? And that that's, like, where I have the biggest issue with religion, where it's, like, we have to, religion takes the stance of, you have to believe exactly the way we believe or you were wrong. And since you were wrong, you're lost. And because you're lost and I'm not, then I have to guide you. And that's where you, I think that's where we're at right now with a lot of Americans and Christianity, you know. This is getting sideways, babe. I'm going to get pissed, so you better. Then let's revert to something else. <laughs> it's just so funny, though, to me. Because, like, uh, you know, like when I think about, like, some of my friends in the church and in like Austin, I wouldn't say he's in the church. I wouldn't say Thrasher's in the church or Casey Trammell or me or Danny Carroll, any of those people. I would just say that we are of the church, but we aren't accepted in the church and, and that's, that's okay, you know, but it does, it does make it, it, it just hurts my heart when, when Jesus is brought up and it's automatically attuned to something that it has nothing to do with. That's what hurts me, you know. And that's that's my biggest issue, you know. Yeah. Because I'm not a Republican or Democrat or a liberal, you know. I'm none of those, you know. I'm really not, you know. I mean, shit, I... Muncie has a, a Republican mayor, and I supported him, you know. I mean, fully supported that dude, you know. And and I'm not a Republican, but I supported him, right? You know, because I and and he won, and I think it was the right decision, you know. And a lot of people are like, "Oh, how could you do that?" And it's like, ah, I'm not like loyal to any party, you know. Uh, if anything, I I would just look at our people and be like. We're supposed to treat everyone like our neighbor, whether they have the same opinions I do or the same sexuality or gender identity, any of that. It, that's not really up to me, you know. That's like one thing with this podcast, though, where, you know, we really kind of, we came, you know, we came out of some really heavy stuff regarding the church and the further we get away from it like the more that I uh, the further I get away from it the more wrong I see in it mm-hmm. well I've been out of the church for so long that I don't even like think about really the church you know yeah other than us going through what we went through with the church, it was more, I mean, yeah, we went through it together, but it was worse on you, you know. That was a rough time. It was, it made you ill. Yeah, <laughs> it really did yeah. make you ill. A lot of people, I don't think, realize that. And then when you were fired and you, you know, didn't have a job for a few months, it was, it sucked. Yeah, isn't it crazy how, like, when you feel like you don't have a purpose, like, how emasculating that is, and I know, like, from your perspective, it's a little bit different, but, like, when you put, like, your heart into something, and, you know, it's basically... Well, and you're told that it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. And then even, like, some of the friends I lost, like, even, you know, like, the band that I, I played in forever and toured in 
and with forever. I mean, like, when you tour with somebody, it's like, uh, I mean, you think about it, like, when you hang out with somebody, and you just go hang out with them at night, or you see them sometimes, you see them a couple times a week, and you hang out, you, you start to grow a bond and friendship. But when you go on tour with somebody, you're, like, with them for 24 hours a day, for weeks on end, and you're around them when you're annoyed, when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're sick, when you're just wanting to be alone. So what it does is it, it, it really forms like really, really deep bonds. And even like, I'm not going to say their name, but one person in that band, especially, you know, him and I just didn't see eye to eye and it, and it was hurtful. I mean, you know, I mean, he wasn't like calling me names or anything, but like, we just, uh, like just in general, you didn't see eye to eye or on certain things. I mean, we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things and I still love this guy and I always will. And I still consider him a friend, but we don't talk anymore and I'm okay with that. I miss him. I miss touring with him because when we would tour. Is, is it because you became a pastor? No, that, that's somebody else. No, this guy's a pastor himself. Oh. But, uh, it's like one of those things where like. Like when you tour, you'll like you'll hang out with certain people, and sometimes it just happens by chance. Like you hang out with somebody more or less, and then like when you tour with other bands, and you're like sharing a van or something, you'll gravitate towards certain people just naturally because of who they are and, and their personality. So like for me, if you can make me laugh, like I will just follow you that whole tour because <laughs> it's just hilarious, right? And like this guy, he just had like awesome stories he'd been in the music business for years i mean he toured the i mean that guy's toured more than anybody i've ever known he's played in a ton of bands i mean he did a live record at cbgb's back in the 90s and um and he's a great musician too and he's a great songwriter but you know he had uh, there was an issue because you weren't a, a christian you know and, and it was just like dude like i disagree and it was like, we can't agree to disagree. It was like the typical Christian thing where it's like, well, you have this opinion and I think you're wrong. So now like you're almost put to the side, you know, and that's hurtful to me. I mean, I think that's normal to be, to feel like that. Oh yeah. I don't know. There's no way that there can just be one way to think. No, and you know that that is something I I do realize, but I also still have my beliefs. I believe that, and and this is going to be a, a, a this is a difference of our beliefs, but like I do believe the only way is through Jesus. But I also believe that how you get to that is different, mm -hmm. you know, and how you perceive things is different, and. I believe that you will be judged, but I'll believe, I believe that you'll be judged with what you were given. And, and I don't mean that's biblical. It's not like I have this grandiose, like, theology or this, like, highly in-tune perspective on theology and things like that. That's all biblical, and that's it's widely accessible. But I also think, though, that too many times we put people in boxes in black-and-white realms— and when they start to go to one side or the other too much, then you start like, what's, what's wrong with, you know, in this case, what's wrong with Grant? 
you know. Right. And and I think like like when Tisha died, people automatically put me on that like from the get go, where it was just like like and I said this before like where you're suspect, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean like it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and they're just like waiting for you to fuck up or something. Yeah. Or they it was, just it was almost like I mean I felt like I was on parole. You know, and they were like my probation officer, parole officer, and, you know, I was like, I had to check in and I had to say the right things to make them feel good. And it was, and, you know, when you experience that, you, you just naturally start to gravitate like away because you're just like, nobody likes feeling judged, you know? I mean, when has anybody ever approached somebody and said, hey, you're doing this wrong? And then that person's like, oh, you're right yeah you're right (laughs) because you're the governing authority on everything you know and that's that's what it felt like you know yeah well just prime example i mean not to like talk shit but that celebrate recovery Uh like you that was your job that was like what you're well in charge of kind of you and someone else and they just weren't really making it move forward right like you would do things and yeah yeah, but now it's going like you yeah. see signs, and, and which I, is cool. Yeah, like it's, it's cool. good. I hope some I hope some people stepping into recovery like just continue. But just to the way they did that was kind of. S- yeah, it's weird. You, you know? know, like when you were trying to do it, like they didn't really. They'll make it sound like you weren't doing your job, but you were, and it, you know, but now now that you're not there, which you've not been there for man, almost two years now. Yeah. So Has it, will it be it'll be two in years in January. Gosh, because it feels like now, like, you know, a year ago, it would have felt like a few days I hadn't been there. But now it feels like almost like it doesn't feel like I was never there, but it definitely doesn't feel like it feels much longer than almost two years. Yeah. Well, I, we've accomplished a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, you know, it's like I was listening to. Wayne Cohn from The Flaming Lips was on uh, Mark Maron's What the Fuck podcast, WTF. And Mark Maron, uh, I mean, this is like, this is in the news and everything, but Mark Maron, he was uh, his significant other. She died. She was a producer. She <coughs> produced like Glow and a bunch of other stuff. It was kind of an unexpected, wasn't it? Yeah, I think she just, and it wasn't COVID related, but she died during the pandemic and it was just like, one night I you know and she just kind of she just passed and they were talking on this podcast today about like how fragile life is because I don't know Mark but you kind of get to know somebody when you listen to their podcast and I don't listen to him that much anymore but back in the day I used to listen to him all the time and he's one of those guys that he worries a lot mm-hmm. you know like he gets t- he said today he gets tested for COVID like at, like a couple times every other week just oh, to make sure he doesn't man. have it, and he's like, that's so he anxiety. Worries. Yeah, oh yeah, Oof. he's got, he's got anxiety. I'm sure he has some PTSD and maybe some OCD in there. But um, he was talking about. I gotta know, interrupt you though. Isn't that weird though? What? How like he can get tested every two weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Weird. Anyways, <laughs> go on. <laughs> well, they were talking. You know, they were talking about how fragile life is. And, like, life and death situations where you feel like, you know, you're going to die, whether it's, like, in an accident or by force, like a murder. 
and Wayne was talking about being when he was in high school working at Long John Silver's and people coming in and robbing it and making them all lay on the ground and having guns and stuff. But he talked about his significant other. Her name was Lynn. And he talked about, he said, when Lynn passed, um, he used the phrase, and, and I think this is, I agreed with him. He used the phrase like, your DNA just changes. And, and I was like, man, you know, that, that's, that's so true, you know, um, because it does. But it's, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I mean, I don't know from experience, but you do hear stories like that, even with people who get sober or whatever. Mm-hmm. They have something happen to them. And the same exact thing could happen to someone else and it not affect them. But yeah. something happens to them where it triggers something. And they're like, I'm never using again. Or I'm, I'm never repeating this mistake again or whatever. Yeah. It's something clicks. And I can see how that means your DNA changes. And, and I think, like, I knew of people that had, they were much older than I was. And, but I knew of people that had lost spouses and, or, you know, kids, um, due to death and a couple of them like change for the, for the worse, like would have something, what you would call like toxic grief and became bitter and became angry. Um, some of them resorted to, to alcoholism and just basically lived out the rest of their days in a state of misery and just unhealthiness and just just very very sad and unfortunate and when when that happened to me i was scared because i liked who i was you know what i mean because i was like i don't want to fucking change you know and i think like i don't think i did change like that what happened was I had less of a buffer for bullshit because I, I mean, my circumstances were different, but I, I know more, you know, like when you and I fight, there's something I always say, like, I'll say like, I don't want to do this or I don't want to live like this, you know? And, And I know that's like some anger in me, just like some immaturity coming out. But really what I'm trying to say is like, I don't want to waste time because we don't have much. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, babe, I'm going to be fucking 40 in January. And, and that's not old. I, I know it's not old, but I'm like, what the, f- <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? You know, like in the sense of like, how do I keep getting older? And I still, my body doesn't feel like I'm 16, but in a lot of ways though, you know, I still want to act like I'm 16. I, I want to jump. And I want to like do things and my back's like, oh, like after my spinal fusion surgery, like I realized like, oh yeah, like this thing is forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you know, I'll, I'll always have that in my spine and there are things that that's I why I'm on you about like, you need to start doing stuff with me because I've learned that in anatomy now, <laughs> spinal fusion. You know, I bet you, I bet you have a pinched nerve or something, but I bet you, you have calcified bone and that's why you have more pain because that's what happens. Your bone calcifies and it gets, it starts to grow because you, there's no movement. So it just, and then you'll have to go in and get that scraped off. Yeah. See, and like, I, I, 
honestly, babe, like I don't think I could do another. I mean, like if, if somebody put a gun to your head, like you have to do another spinal fusion surgery and you'd be like, okay, we just have to do it. But like, if they're like, Hey, you need another spinal fusion. Like you need to do like your, cause I did my S one and L five. And so like, all right, now you need to do like your L five and L four. I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> Like, that, I don't want to do it. That means sacrum and lumbar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the S1 in your L5 is the lowest. Yeah. That's why they go through my stomach to <sighs> do it. But, like, I, I nah, like, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. Well, I don't blame you. And I hope you don't have to. But, like, you know, that that's what I, I think, like, when, like, how I am now, you know, is really. Well, I've been through, I mean, I've been involved in an armed robbery, and I mean, if I say, if I've been close... You were the victim. You weren't the perpetrator. Nope. I wasn't <laughs> the one robbing the place. Um, and I mean, I don't want to... I don't know. I, if, if I were to... If someone were to ask me if I've ever been close to death, I guess that would be my answer. Um, me and my friend, her name's Donita. I mean, I don't talk to her anymore. I haven't seen her in a long time, but her and I were with the one working, and we were both closing. And the weird thing about what happened is when the man came in, it wasn't right at close, you know, because we closed at 9, and it was only like 8.30. Maybe it was between 8.30 and like 8.50 when he came in. And we hadn't had anyone in for quite sometime so honestly Donita was actually cutting my hair so I think that might have been why he didn't come in sooner because he probably thought I was a client sitting in or a customer sitting in the chair she literally had just finished cutting my hair and <coughs> I I just remember us standing there and out of the corner of my eye I see someone through the front window and I see you know I'm like someone's coming in so they come in, and there was, like, wind chimes on the door. So every time the door opened, you would hear it. He walks in, and we both just happened to look, and it all happened so fast. But I look at him, and I realize, this guy looks really funny. What's going on? And he comes walking in really fast, and I'm like, oh, man, he's, like, walking really. Oh, my God, he's coming back here. And well, he had a gun. I noticed he had gloves. And then he had a Duck Dynasty fake beard on. And he had, I think he had like a, a cat, like a, like a winter's hat on. I'm not really sure. And it seemed like he had like motorcycle goggles on. So his whole face was covered. And he had like, uh, and then he had a bag. And then I looked down and noticed he had a gun. So at that moment, I'm like, oh shit, we're fucking getting robbed right now. And other great clips around the s like the uh, surrounding counties had been getting robbed, and it was like a serial robber. So we were aware of it, but of course, like, didn't think it would happen to us. But, um, anyways, so he comes in, and immediately he's like, "Do exactly what I fucking say. Get down on the fucking ground now." So. We both walk up to the register. The, my first reaction was to open the drawer, so I'm in the process of opening the drawer. And he goes to Donita. He yells at her and tells her to get down on the ground. And I'm getting the money out. And then he's pointing the gun to her head, and then he points the gun to my head and tells me to get down. So we're both laying down on the ground, face down. 
And it was probably only a few seconds, but I remember laying there looking at the ground and I didn't know what he was doing. I mean, I knew he was getting the money, but I didn't know if he had the gun pointed at us or what. And I remember thinking like, I wonder if this is going to end bad or what's going to happen. I wasn't crying. I was just more like thinking like what is going to happen. So he tells us to get up and he asks where the money box is, like where we we keep the money. And I said, we don't have a money box. And he's like, where's the fucking money box? Tell me now. And I said, we don't have one. So he orders us to go to the back and he tries to get me to open the office door and it's locked. And he goes, open the fucking door. And he's like yelling and screaming. And I'm like, it's locked. And I remember like moving the knob like aggressively, like showing him that I couldn't open it. Mm-hmm. And during this process, because Donita is standing right next to me the whole time, he starts clicking his gun. And at that moment, I'm thinking, he has a fake gun. Because it was making like this clicking sound. But we go to the back, he orders us to the back room. He makes us get down on the ground. And then, well, actually, before we get down on the ground, he orders us to give him any jewelry or whatever we have. And I was married at the time to Haley and Silas's dad, so I gave him. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny at the moment because it was just reaction. But I stand back up to take off my wedding ring, and his back is to me. And he turns around and he notices that I'm standing up. And I'm like, it's like from me to you, except he's turned around. And it startled him, I think. And he goes, why the fuck are you standing up? I didn't tell you to stand up. Lay the fuck down. And I went, sorry. Like, really kind of rude, but it was just my reaction. So I laid back down. Anyways, like, he, t- he like, went through all the cabinets. And, it, and uh, he was only in that store for maybe two minutes. But it felt like forever. What year was that? It was 2014. But yeah, so he told us to count to 100 out loud, and he said if either one of us got up to look to see if he was out there, he would kill us. So we literally counted like out loud to like probably pretty much 100. <laughs> and we got up, and, and then I went up and called 911. So, I mean, that was pretty intense and but he, he was caught right yeah but not until like three years later oh and was he he was an addict i i don't know i don't i he was a bad guy though i think he got in trouble he got arrested for like he was robbing banks and stuff Did, didn't he murder somebody <sighs> i can't remember um yeah i honestly don't know I want to say that he went to Ohio after that robbery and did shoot somebody. But I don't know if he killed anybody. But he wasn't caught then. They just linked it to the same guy. I wonder what where he's at now, like if he's incarcerated or... I don't know. He had to have some kind of vendetta out for Great Clips, though, because he was robbing all the Great Clips. Yeah, that's weird. So I don't know if he had, like, some crazy ex that worked there and... Because he, he, another weird thing was the products that he stole. He only stole Great Clips products. Really? Yeah, it was really weird. Like shampoo and stuff? I don't remember, but it was just like, it was like, I think he might have stolen other products, but he didn't steal like a lot. He only got away with like 400 something dollars. And the, he kind of messed up the shelf and the majority of the damage was to Great Clips products. 
Yeah, that's weird. But like after that happened, did did it make you like want to carry a gun or? No, I do remember though. Like the next day, I worked and. I know Donita came in for a little bit, but she had a rough time. Like, I think she ended up getting PTSD from that. Um, I think she's good now. But um, I remember the next day I went in, and she went in for a little bit, and then ended up having to go home. But, of course, when I went in, like, the tech guy was there, and the owner was there, and the detective was there, and they were, like, going through the security cameras and all of that. And... I asked my GM, I was like, can I watch? And she looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm like, no, I want to see. Yeah. And it was really weird to see yourself in that situation. And also the detective mentioned something. I don't think he said it to me, but he mentioned it to the GM. When he first came in and was told us to get down on the ground after I opened the drawer, the detective said you could tell he wasn't experienced with what he was doing because he laid the gun down and turned his back to it yeah. while we were on the ground. And he just made a comment that if it was someone that was experienced with handling a gun or robbing a place, they wouldn't have yeah. laid their gun down like that. Yeah. But I don't know. But anyway, I remember like just watching it. And I mean, I just that was kind of my closure, I think, was for me to actually watch it. Because she looked at me and she goes, "You're con- I don't know if I should be concerned. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, you, you're not upset. You're just very solemn. And I'm like, I don't know. I just. It just didn't affect you in a way that maybe is m- more common, you know? Yeah. And I've wondered about that. I mean, not that I find that cool or anything. or, no, yeah. But it's just like I. I don't know. I would hate to be in a situation. I mean, of course, I was terrified. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like, oh, nothing's going to happen. It wasn't anything like that because I didn't know. But I would really hate to be in a situation where I was legitimately scared and frightened for my life because I really wasn't at that moment. Yeah. I I ever tell you about the time where I had a drug dealer put a gun in my mouth. and. Yes. Yeah. that, Mm -mm. That was a weird thing. I mean, I still have, like, what teeth I have left. Um, I still have a chip on a tooth on one of my my teeth uh, from that that gun, the barrel. Anyway, obviously he didn't pull the trigger, but it was weird because when when that happened to me, um, the only thing I thought of, you know, you know how like some guys are like oh, I'm not afraid to die, and I am afraid to die. But when that happened, I wasn't worried about like my life ending, I was worried about how my mom would feel, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was, because it was such a stupid, it was a fucking drug deal in Miami. It was in Little Havana in Miami. (laughs) And it was a Haitian drug dealer. (coughs) And he he about got hit by a car. And one of the guys I was with laughed. And it made him mad. And I happened to be the closest one to him. I was in a car. It was fucking weird. And it, and, and that's the one thing about violence that I've noticed. You know, like, I think we've become desensitized to some degree. But, um, you know, like in movies, like, violence is always, like, this methodical kind of thing. And in real life, violence is this very, like, chaotic, fast kind of 
event that happens. It's not like this slow event and you cock the gun and you pull the trigger and then you pull it, you know what I mean? And then you slowly die or, you know, you fall down and you, oh, I'm done. You know, it's just like, it's really fast and chaotic and it's really over with before you have time to think. Um, my life didn't flash in front of my eyes. I just thought, man, I'm probably going to be like dead on the road and, you know, like my parents are going to get a fucking phone call in Indiana. Um, but, you know, it was like one of those things too. Like after he pulled that gun out, my reaction wasn't, my reaction was like, let's get the fuck out of here, you know? And I was more concerned about getting dope though. Like we got the dope though, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like then I was like, fuck, I just had some jackass put a fucking, it was a, it was 38. And then I, I don't know much about guns, but you know, especially handguns, I, I can easily identify those compared to like a rifle or something. But um, yeah, it was a thirty-eight, and uh, it was a revolver, and it was snub nose, so the barrel was probably maybe a two and a half inch barrel or something at the most. But uh, the dude was, I mean, it was like the scene was very similar to like in movies to where it's two o'clock in the morning in a shitty part of Miami. And there's fucking people everywhere, and there's dudes on corners selling dope. And what would what you do? And at that time, I don't know if it's like this now, but at that time, you would pull up to the corner. Dude would walk up to your car, and it it, it wasn't my car. I was with some people, and um, a guy comes up, wants to know what you're what you're wanting. You know, we told him it was heroin, we want dope, and uh. It was back when you called heroin dope. And uh, then he would ask how much, you know, and then he would point to, like, somebody else. And then they would say, drive around the block. And you drive around the block and you come back. And then that person would come up, but you would give that dude the money. And then the next person that came up would give you somebody else holding the drugs and then would give you, well, the, the product. Well, this guy, we gave him the money, and uh, we were buying two grams, and which is a lot, you know. But there was like three of us all going in together, and um, I gave him the money. I didn't. This this girl I was with at the time did, and uh, he goes to walk around the car, and there was a, a truck coming, and he didn't see the truck, and he walked in front of the truck. And I don't know how the truck didn't hit him, but the truck, like, I mean, it was, like, squealing tires, and the dude, he just, like, went like that. Well, this other dude that was with us that I had known for, like, literally, like, 45 minutes, he was a fucking asshole, but I can't even remember his name, but he laughed. Oh, shit. And the dude was angry that he laughed, and rightfully so, but I was sitting by a window in the car, and... He came up, and I remember, I don't remember everything he said, but I do remember him saying, I could kill you right now, and he either said, I could kill you right now, and nobody would know, or I could kill you right now, and you can't, you couldn't do anything about it, and it was just like, that fast, and then he put the gun in my mouth, and, uh, and it was like, I remember like gagging, um, but I remember how it hurt, and, because he kept like hitting my gums and shit, like the roof of my mouth. And uh, it made me bleed, but, like, it was, you know, it wasn't like he, I, I don't know. Well, was, like, what did the dude say? Like, did he just, like, pull the gun out of your mouth, or did the guy apologize? 
that the, laughed, I mean. Yeah, the dude was saying, like, sorry, but and he was saying, like, fuck you and some other stuff, and the girl started yelling, and I don't really remember. And But, I mean, the gun was probably in my mouth, literally, for, like, maybe five seconds. I mean, it was, like, very fast, you know. And um, we didn't drive around the block. The other dude came up and gave us the dope. But, and I don't really remember a whole lot, though, like, after that. I told that story one time when I was preaching. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I bet that went over right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like one of those things where life is fragile, you know? And, uh, and that's why, like, I, I say, like, you know, we don't have a lot of time. And that's, like, when I look at time, just because time keeps going so fast and and you're always, like, looking towards the future, even if the future is, like, three days away. Like, if you're working at your job, you're thinking of getting off work, mm-hmm. you know? Or if it's, like, Thursday, you're like, all right, one more day, and then I have the weekend. Or, like, if you're sick, you're like, I can't wait till this is over with, yep. you know? Or, like, if you have something that you have planned that's in the near future, you look towards that. So it's always, like, getting through the moment. And it makes it really easy, unfortunately, to, like, kind of bypass some of the things that, you know, you do forget about the little things of just, like, laying in bed or fucking not doing anything and just – or just, like, having fun, even though, like, you don't know you're going to have fun until it's over with. Yeah. Well, it's just like with us being so busy with school right before you got sick the week before. So not last week, but the week before there was a couple nights where we were both just dead tired, but we just laid in bed and watched a movie. We did that in the middle uh, during the day. Mm -hmm. And then we laid down a couple nights and just fell asleep next to each other. Yeah. And that was... I don't know. It made us realize, like, we haven't done this for a while. This is nice. Yeah. We don't have to leave the house. We don't have to go spend money. Yeah. We can just lay and Uh, not do a damn thing. Yeah, and that's, like, an important thing. I think of Dead Moon has a song called uh, Running Out of Time. And, I mean, they wrote that song in, like, 1992. Running out of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it was like Fred and Tootie, obviously they were married, but they were, the song was about like them knowing that like, hey, like we're running out of time because like, you know, not that it's like morbid, but like you just never know death is coming, you know, (laughs) I mean, that that sounds weird saying that, but, you know, it, it is that like recognize what's in front of you. You know, and even some of those like trials and some of those that tribulation feeling, you know, um, and I, I think, you know, like when like when Tisha died, um, the biggest issue I had was like with the church and with just some people in general was that I was her caretaker for years and years and years and she was in the hospital and on dialysis and all that shit for so fucking long and how hard that is for anybody but let alone like just when you've been doing that I mean I've basically been doing that my whole adult life up until I was 35 so really from like the time I was 19 until I was 35 and I mean I was almost 36 
So I looked at it as like, I almost looked at it, I, I took it in a negative way in the sense of like, when I started started experiencing good things, like when you and I got together and people, there was this backlash, especially from the church. I took it like personal. Where I was like, I've been fucking living like my life like this for, you know, since fucking 2000 to 2016, where, I mean, it's just, it's a fucking roller coaster because chronic illness will put you on one and, and went through fucking hell and watch somebody go through fucking hell and then here something good happens and I'm starting to like feel like I'm alive again and then you have these people like no 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 and just like these naysayer type and I to me that I was like I was angry about that but I wasn't bitter about it you know I was never bitter about her death like I you know I mean I always I remember I tell my dad like healing and death and for some people, there is healing in death because you escape the body that is just uh, it's just dying and it's nothing but pain and misery, you know? I mean, like, how many times... I think everybody has these people in their family where you know, it's usually a grandparent and, you know, they have a birthday and their wish is, like, to not have to another die. birthday. Yeah. And, it's like, and then they're like, I've lived my life. You know, I'm ready to go. And it's not that, like, they've given up hope. But at the same time, they've lived a long life and yeah. they're done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I want to grow old and I'd love to live until I'm like 80, 85, 90. But I want to be like in good health. Like I'm OK if I can't get around great, but I just don't want to be miserable. And like, like, you know what I mean? Like I, I would love to just go peacefully or if I'm old, I, I like. I don't know. I don't want to be left in a nursing home and be alone, you know? Yeah, me either. That's scary. And we talked about that in anatomy. Um, well, me and you were talking about the other day, like suicide rate. El- the elderly is what? The second highest. Yeah. You yeah. know? And and a lot of it is because, well, I what I learned in anatomy was my professor was saying it's a liability issue in nursing homes, and that's why they make them sit like that for long periods of time. She said the majority of people that are in a nursing home don't really need to be there, but they end up having to stay there because they're stationary for so long, so then their bodies quit on them and they can't move. But she said it's a terrible thing and that they need to do better because they need to get them up and move them around or let them get up and move around or have something set in place because that's what they need, but because of liability, they don't. Well, I, I've witnessed, like, my granddad and uh, my grandpappy. My grandpappy, he, he died in the hospital, but he basically died at home. But the weirdest, like, the biggest, like, turning point in their lives was when, like, my granddad, they were in, like, an assisted <coughs> living place, but then they had to go into, it was the same, like, neighborhood, but they had to go into... It was a nursing home. They couldn't have a car. You could, didn't have a kitchen. You couldn't make your own food. And my grandpappy, when he lost his license, the state of Texas took his license. And it was funny. I remember him telling me, he was, this fucking Republican bastard took my <laughs> license, you know. And he's like, I'm not going to be caught in the state of Texas without a damn set of wheels, you know. And, and But that was like, to them, 
looking back on it, that was the biggest turning point towards them, their life ending, because they were no longer independent and no longer had the ability to be independent. Yeah. Well, my grandma lived with us. Um, well, let's see here. She moved in. She lived on her own. And then the year that she had um, knee replacement, she moved in with me and my mom. I was a sophomore in high school, I think. So she probably lived with my mom and me when I lived there for close to 10 years. Or, yeah, probably close to that. But um, she still drove for a while. And I remember when she stopped driving, I mean, I noticed a little bit of a difference. Like, she was aggravated. But she had people that were able to give her a ride. But when she went into that nursing home, she, what happened was she had surgery. And it was like a spinal um, oh, I forget. Basically, all of her nerves were twisted in her back. Oh, man. So, whatever back surgery she had, it was successful. She had some issues with the anesthesiolo- um, the anesthesia. Um, but after she, her surgery, she came out at fine and had no issues. And she went to the nursing home for, for rehabilitation. And that's, it just started, it just got weird from then on out. Um, I know that, I'll have to talk to my mom, I can't remember exactly, but she, I, we think she had a stroke or something because she ended up being in the nursing home longer than what she was supposed to be and then she finally came out and then she was having issues so she went back in. But we think that she had fallen because she was left unattended in the bathroom and she had fallen and we think that that fall either caused her to have a stroke or some kind of brain bleed or something. Because once she had that initial episode, it happened in the middle of the night and they were expecting her to die. And I thought it was really weird because they didn't take her to the hospital. They just, so I don't know if it was like this thing where she didn't want to be, res- res- which she didn't like code or anything. So I don't know. It was just a weird situation. But after that, it she just was gone basically you know like with a stroke patient how they're just like not there and I went to go feed her lunch it was the like the week before she died I think I saw her three days before she died and I went and fed her and it was just heartbreaking you know because me and my grandma were super close and her passing we were prepared for it when it happened, but at the same time, we weren't prepared for it yeah. because it it all happened within like two months, you know, and it was just, I don't know. But that's yeah, when well you see the them in a nursing home like that, yeah. she lost a, a lot. She got really depressed and people weren't coming to visit her like she was expecting or wanted. Yeah. And, you know, and I was only, I was only 19, you know, so I was like, well, now I was older. I was like 22. No, man, I was like, yeah, I was way off. I was like 26 when she died. <laughs> I was thinking I was like, but still, because I had Haley and Silas was just a baby. But yeah, you know, I don't know. It was hard seeing her in there like that. And they do lo- lose a lot of their sanity when they're in there. Did I ever tell you the story about the time? This is when I was a pastor and somebody started going to the church and... Uh, 
want to be careful and use all indifferent pronouns here, but uh, their significant other was in a nursing home and they wanted me to go uh, talk to them. And these people, they weren't very old. They weren't elderly, you know. And um, they were like in late 40s, early 50s. And this person, they had never been to the church, so I didn't know what they looked like, right? I just knew the name. I knew what nursing home. And I'd never been inside this nursing home before. And it was in Muncie. And, you know, as soon as you walked in, the stench of urine hit. And it, you could tell, like, this is a very bad nursing home, underfunded, you know. Yeah, overworked. Yeah. And I go in the room. I mean, this is crazy. And, and you would have to do this stuff, like, when you're a pastor. And especially, like, when I was a pastor at that particular church, I did, like, 99%. I mean, I don't I, I don't remember how many times I'd get a call. And they'd be like, so-and-so just had a heart attack or a stroke, and they're in a hospital. Will you go visit them? And I'm like... Yep, I'm like two floors above them right now, and just go down, you know, because like Tisha was in the hospital. Well, I go into this nursing home, and I, you know, I go up to the front and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm Grant. I'm here to see so and so." And I said, "Oh yeah, she's in room, you know, whatever." And I go in there, and and I mean, it's like a nursing home for. I mean, there were definitely elderly people in there, but there were also people in there that were like, and there were twenty year olds in there just like had whether it was trauma or brain injuries or whatever and I go in and I knew this person was in really bad shape right but that's all I really knew I didn't know anything about them they weren't from here they had recently moved here like within a a few years before but they really just started going to the church and I go in and there's this lady in this I mean it was a bed but it was more like a crib so she couldn't get out right and she had a baby bottle filled with juice. She's drinking it, right? And, I mean, <laughs> this is so bad because, you know, like, when you, I mean, imagine, like, having to go talk to somebody in that kind of situation, in that position where they don't know you, they don't know, you don't know them, you know? And I'm like, hey, I'm Grant, your husband, or your whatever, so-and-so asked me to come and visit you. And... I was kind of told that, like, they could track, but at the same time, you know, they were having some cognitive issues. So, and this lady, or, yeah, I shouldn't even say that, this person, they they lit up. I mean, they are just so excited that somebody was visiting them, right? I talked with them for 45 minutes. They can't talk. They can smile. They can kind of make some noises. Eyes are open. They're drinking out of this bottle. I was holding her hand and stuff, and I'm just talking with them, and, you know, I don't remember anything I said, but, you know, um, I was in there for 45 minutes, right? Uh-huh. And, no joke, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave, and <laughs> so I start telling them, like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to go, but I promise you I will come back and visit you, like, once a week, and this person ended up dying, like, not long after, right? Like literally, like within days, like single digit days. But as I'm getting ready to leave, um, like a staff member comes in and they are uh, 
pushing somebody in a wheelchair and that <laughs> you were talking to the wrong person the whole time yes i was talking uh. to the wrong person the entire fucking time and they wheeled this person in and she's sitting upright and she she was in better condition than the person i had just been talking to but uh I realized, like, <laughs> I've been talking to the wrong person the entire time, and she was just so ecstatic that I was talking with her. So I ended up, you know, staying another hour with this person still in the room and uh, talking to this other person. But I didn't tell them, like, hey, I uh -uh. just spent, you know, 45 minutes talking to your roommate. And, uh, yeah, I remember that was, like, I went back, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'll never – guess what just happened i felt so bad you know but I, I i felt bad because i got to leave you know like I, I got to walk out of there those people didn't you know that's the that's the scary thing though about getting older and those people weren't old but uh you know like getting older and not being able to take care of yourself you know that uh that idea scares me but i again though i think you know like so there was something that we used to do, uh, Kent and like Kent Waters and Big D's son Aaron. We used to they were like metalhead kids, right? So like metalhead kids are always like into the the worst shit. Like the more graphic and gory it is, like the better. And we uh, would have this night called Death. Was it Death Movie Cinema Night? And we would just watch, like, Traces of Death, Phases of Death, like, all those, like, movies like that, you know. And, I mean, they're, they're so terrible, and a lot of them are fake. Traces of Death wasn't fake, but, you know, it's just, like, accident scenes, surgery, videos, you know, like, suicide scenes, shit like that. And, uh, you know, now that, like, I'm older, I'm like, gosh, like, I don't know why I looked at that shit, but what it did at the time was it definitely made you realize like that you're not invincible yeah yeah like this is temporary you know what time are we at babe minutes all right so you want to start releasing episodes on Wednesday yes okay. I think that'll be better for us and with our schedule yeah so definitely. from now on Wednesdays will be the day that we will release yeah and it'll probably be Wednesday evenings I would yeah. say yeah yeah Wednesday nights. Wednesday night, yeah. Because school is just... It's hectic right now. Yeah. And especially with virtual. It's been uh, a little crazy. Yeah. But it was awesome recording tonight. It, uh, we've missed it. Glad to be back. We went a little extra longer tonight, but... Yeah. 
had a lot to talk about. Yeah, definitely. But thanks for listening, and we will chat with you next week. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening.